between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. Jesus, the Lamb of God, we bless your name. Say, you are the light of the world that anyone who follows you will have the light of life. You are the shiner of light. Who be in the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, no man hath seen God at any time. But the only begotten Son who is in, in the bosom of the Father, you are declared Him, showing Him, shining Him, declaring Him. We worship you because you are also a light. Your Father is a light. You are also a light. You are the light that shines Him, that shows Him, that reveals Him, that declares Him, that speaks concerning Him. He he who have bore witness that all men should hear, should listen to you. Say, he's my beloved son, my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. God in sundry times, in diverse manners, spoke unto the fathers by the prophet, but as in these last days, spoken to us by you, by your son, Jesus. I, priest, you have the Urim and the Tumim the light and the perfection. You own a perfect ministry. No one can fault you. You are excellent. You are beautiful. You are perfect. You are glorious. You are wonderful. We just worship you. Your praise can never end. We can never finish it. We can never finish talking about you, speaking concerning your exploit, about how you went on conquering and how you conquered. How you prevailed over death and sin and hell and the grave and came out victorious. You who ascended on high. You led captivity captive. We give glory to your name, Jesus. We worship you. Our light, our savior. The unveiler of secret things, the revealer of God, the one who heals our hidden darkness. The high priest who has the most enlightened eyes to heal us, to save us. We worship you, Jesus. We bless your holy name this morning. We welcome your presence here. We know you're already here with us, but we're just solemnly this morning with adoration, with reverence, with a song in our heart, with, with so much love for you this morning. We just say we love to be with you. We love to hear your voice. We love to hear you speak. Thank you. There's nowhere else to go for you alone have the world of life. I will stay here. We choose that one part, which you said, that one part which is needful, which is to sit at your feet, to hear your voice. Come and send your saving voice to us this morning. Guide our meditation and our journey in the book as we search the book and we, we journey, Lord, pasture, through pastures. Come and guide our feet. And you will sit upon the throne. Come and feed us. Come and lead us even to live in fountain of waters. Help my vessel this morning to, not to speak my own things, but to speak expressly that which you have to say. Make my pen, my tongue as the pen of a ready writer. 
that can write the spirit, not the letter. Thank you, Father. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. So praise the Lord. <clears throat> Amen. Good morning to everybody. God bless you. Um, please welcome someone. Say, I'm glad to see you this morning. And you're looking handsome or pretty or beautiful. Or you're looking wonderful. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Oh, give you glory. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Father, we bless your name. Oh, we worship you. Malatisa prahadawa sopraheta prahara masko praha prevenahata. Jesus. 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 You are exalted. We give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory. Thank you. You are the medicine for our heart, our healing, the balm in Gilead. We worship your name. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's open to John chapter 8. <clears throat> Praise God. John 8. I think we began to see. Um, oh, thank you, Father. Let's read from verse 31. John 8, 31. It says, then, Jesus, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, praise God, that if you continue in my word, then, then are ye my disciples, praise God, indeed. If you continue in my word, then are ye my what? Disciples. And then ye shall know what? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall do what? Shall make you free. Praise God. This is those who believed on him that he, he said them to them. So they have been they have been believers, they are Jews who have become believers, but they there is a, a further process uh, which he called continuing. Amen. That, that if you continue in my word, then are ye my word disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall then do what? The truth shall then make you free. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's see in John. Glory to God, John chapter five, let's see. Are you there? Glory to God, glory to God. Thank you. Where did we read on Wednesday? Uh, where Jesus Christ was saying that, um, I think the, 
where he was saying that, uh, <coughs> yes, I'm the light of the world. It's chapter what? It's chapter three, right? Verse what? I'm hearing many different things. Which one is correct? Okay. <laughs> it's chapter eight, verse 12. Praise God. Thank you. Amen. You guys have your, your Bibles. Did they have different? Amen. John 8, verse, verse 12. Amen. Uh, it says, Then speak Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. Right? He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the what? light of life. So this, the word our following also means continuing. Right? Continuing uh, means to follow. So Jesus is saying that um, there is a journey that every soul needs to take in him. And if the soul is able to embark on that journey um, in, in verse 32, it says, then ye shall, what? If you continue my word, you become my disciples indeed. And then you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you, what? Make you free. So coming, taking that journey is what makes you a disciple, right? What makes you a disciple is the continuing in his word, right? And so that continuation in his word, um, there's a way that a soul continues in the word that Jesus is speaking concerning, right? It's not possible for the, for the soul to continue in the word until, unless the soul has found a, has found a path in the word. Praise God. There is a way that the word, the purpose of the word is to make manifest a path. Right? You know, it says that your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Are you seeing that that's the word of God? Right? The, the word of God is a lamp unto my feet. That's light. And is a light unto my path. Are you seeing that? So, so the purpose of the word, any, anybody who hasn't found a path in the word hasn't gained access into the word. Praise God. You know, the word of God has been, is handled in different kind of ways by different kind of souls. And one of the things that has been abused the most on the earth is the Bible. The Bible has done, people have killed in the name of the Bible. They've committed genocide. They've committed all kinds of atrocities in the scripture because you have this book that says all manner of things, but we don't know what, the, what is the import, what is the essence of what, of this book. It's very clear that the Bible is a book of paths, right? It's actually a book of, it's a book that unveils and interprets ways to the soul that can open show the soul different parts, strange parts upon the, that are not found naturally upon the earth. Praise the Lord. So the parts, the, you know, the world that we know as we know it is a world full of parts and causes. Ephesians chapter 2 says that you have he quickened, 
who were once dead in trespasses and sins, right? In which in time past, you once walked according to the, the cause of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the same spirit that walketh in children of disobedience. So the, it's very clear that the world is also the, the construct of the world, which is the spiritual, um, the spiritual resource. This, the world is a spiritual resource of darkness. It is, the world is not the physical earth. It's not the physical materiality. But the world is talking about that is a spirit which souls buy into. That souls just, souls just buy into that spirit. From there, the tap resource for living. By resource, I mean ideas, thoughts, imagination, all kinds of things that, that drives the, the collective parts and individual parts of soul. Praise God. Uh, what I mean to say is that the vision for what, the, what, what has crafted present existence of man, I mean, nothing said that the world had to be this way, that you have to have, should be, the society should be organized the way it is, that we must have maybe this institution, that institution, this one, then here we must have um, people who are gatekeepers, people who are all those kind of things that are structures of, you know, of society and all of those things in different aspects of human living. That's just one way to organize things, but why did it have to be this way? Where did it come from? Where do the ideas of men come from? Where do the resources of men, the way men think, where does it come from? It comes from somewhere, praise God. It's a spirit, it's a spirit. Nobody can trace it, right? Because it, a, you can't find it intellectually. You cannot study to find out where those things came from because those things are spiritual resources that spirits who are above men, they call him the prince of the power of the air, has created such things to define what? A cause for men. Praise God. So it means that every man on the earth has a pre-written cause that you don't have the ability to chart a new cause, even though you might think you do. But that's part of the way they move the cause of the world, that men should feel they can chart their cause. And I've been motivated to do so, especially when they are young. But it's actually true that there's, there are no new parts upon the earth, that there is a way that's already predetermined. Because invention of parts and ways is not put under the jurisdiction of man. It's not under the, such thing as such, is a very sophisticated profession. Praise God, the, the profession of, of, of crafting parts that soul can take is a very, so you can't do it. You don't know how to do it. You can't, you can't craft parts for soul. So that thing is a work for spirits, um, spirits who God made at the very high pedigree, angels who were in heaven. They were angels of parts and angels of ways. And then some of them fell. Their master, Satan, was also a master crafter who, first of all, invented in, in a way in himself to die and to depart from God and also found ways for other angels to fall as well. Praise the Lord. Are you seeing that? So, so the world is, um, men are, are living, it says, children of disobedience. Ephesians chapter 2, right? In which you once walked according to the cause. So it's very clear that disobedience is not, is not, disobedience is not a, 
novel, you know the word novel, it's not a novel act of rebellion or it's not disobedience, it's not invented. So when a soul disobeys God, you didn't invent that disobedience. It's not your own idea. Oh, I just want to do something different. No, you don't have the ability to do that. <laughs> Every disobedience that the soul does concerning God's will is something that has been in a cause. Angels have done it before. It's, it has been, it's a way upon the earth how to find another way outside of God's will. Men don't invent parts for themselves. Spirits communicate that part to a soul. So the, the reason for the world as we know it is to, is to, to make parts of disobedience, causes of disobedience manifest to the soul. So that to enter into the heart of man, a man will see, ah, oh, this is a way I can go, which is opposite from God's own way. Praise God. Amen. But then we have this thing called the scripture. Say, say scripture. scripture. The scripture is the, is the import of another set of ways upon the, to, to man that men should not be bound to the, the way and path which, they, which is suggested to them by the their existence in the world, in the corrupt world, but rather the scriptures are the giving of an alternative way, an alternative set of way that a soul can take. Are you seeing what I'm saying? And that's very clear, we call the Bible the word of God, but when you say that the Bible is the word of God, you are heaping metaphor upon metaphor, you are saying many things, because it's very clear this is written Bible, it's not the word of physical word of God. And even when you, when you take the word and memorize it, it's not just, it's not the word of God. What makes it the word of God is the, is the breath of the spirit, right? The breath of the spirit. And Peter was saying that no passage of scripture is of any private interpretation. It means if you interpret it privately, you will not get the answer of what is meant to be. Private means only you without help. You understand that private means just you, just you without help. They leave you and scripture. You don't have the, you cannot, you cannot lift out the ways that the Bible wants to bring. What is scripture important to the earth? There's something that is scripture is important that in, a man cannot privately fetch it. You get what I mean? Because the men who wrote, is it because holy men wrote as they were moved by the word, the Holy Ghost. So the, the mover in writing must come to and move again in the reading of the scripture. Because so it's only through the movement of the spirit that the parts in the Bible begin to open up. Praise God. Only through what the this, this scripture does the parts in the Bible when I say part, what do I mean? Part, I'm talking about, don't think, move your body for a minute. Uh, praise God, just move your body for a minute and then see, I want you to see beyond what your body is doing. I want you to now see your soul, which your body is carrying, doing those things. Also find it having a part that it is taking. That the reason for what the, the body is to be able to is to, is the, the body is to help the soul make movement in its path. 
Do you understand? Uh, who they, when all the spirits in the world, who do they want to move? It's not, okay, get up, go and play football now. Come back, sit down there. Hey, stand, get up, go and steal that thing, come back. That is, then they watch, ah, he stole it all. Ah, he actually stole it. We are happy. We are making him steal. That's not the joy of spirits. Do you get what I'm saying? It's not, that's not the joy of spirit. The same way, ah, he didn't go to church today. He went to, ah, we're happy. That's not the joy of heaven. That's not what God ex- is excited in. It's not the physical doings and goings and coming and all of that. The reason for the, the suit, the body, is to be able to help the soul make movement in the part that the soul is, is holding that Without the body, it's hard for the soul to, to make what? Its own inward movement. Do you understand what I mean? The, I mean the inward man has movement. But by things which the outward man is doing, the inward man can be moving. Either towards life or towards death. Towards life or towards death. Towards life or what? Towards death. Two people can do the same thing physically. One has moved inwardly towards life. The other one moved towards death. Do you understand what I mean? Like Cain and Abel came and offered sacrifice. One resulted in God having respect unto one and the world and the offering. The other one, God did not have respect because God wasn't looking at the physical gathering of things and offering things. God was looking at the movement of the soul. That that thing affected, it was also emotion on the inside. Are you, are you understanding what I'm trying to say? Praise God. So the, so the word of God, um, the import of the scripture upon the earth is to, to make fresh news. A new, they call it news. The, the Bible is actually is contained two news. The news of Christ and the news of God. Praise God. And each news, each gospel is for, is for the purpose of definition of parts to the soul, to make the soul find parts for movement, and to help the soul to do what? To find parts to do what? To move. Amen. Amen. That's why he said that the word is a lamp unto my feet. Praise God. And is what? A light. Now, those are two things. They are not the same thing. So when he says thy word, just summarize any kind of manifestation of the spirit of God means anything that, that constitutes the word of God means that it means that any reading of God's word that is quickened by the spirit. So either it comes by you med- your quiet time meditating on scripture or if it comes by listening to a message or just talking with somebody in having a conversation with somebody, there can be a quickening of the spirit which will result in the word of God being given to the heart. Praise God. So, and he says that the word of God, every time the word of God lands, it's two, two kind of operation of light that, that will occur. It's, it will talk about the guiding of feet and the illumination of path. Do you see that? They are not the same operation. They are two different operations. The guiding of the feet and the word, the illumination of the part. If the part is illuminated and the feet is not guided, one can stumble. 
and not make prosperity in the path. But if the path is guided, but the, the, sorry, the feet is guided, but the, the path is not unveiled, the person can miss the way and end up somewhere else. He will be walking very sharply and quickly, but he's walking the other way. That is not in alignment with, are you getting what I'm saying? So, when you talk about what the word of God means to his soul, those two things must be balanced and accurate. In a soul, how, how do you step in the spirit? That's the school. Talking about the school of the spirit. The school of the spirit is, first, of course, the school of the word of God. Do you agree with that? The school of the spirit is the school of the word, of the word of God. So, in the school of the word of God, they are teaching the soul how to step and also defining direction toward the soul. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 They are not the, the entrance of thy word giveth light. Amen. The entrance of thy word giveth light. And it giveth understanding to the simple. You're seeing multiple places. Go and read the book of Psalm 119. That's all that David was speaking concerning. The whole of that place was converting word to trying to, David was, um, that Psalm 119 was almost a New Testament, so I, I'm sure a New Testament spirit came upon him. To, and that's, is that not like the longest chapter in the Bible or something? Praise God. He just kept talking and talking and talking and talking and speaking. Just eulogizing the word of God. He call it word, he call it precept, judgment, a testimony. Are you get what I'm saying? He was talking about it. And then he was trying to use, uh, we can't read all those things. That thing is too, let's not even go there. You can read that in your own time. Meditate upon it. <laughs> Praise God. But uh, David, quickened by the Spirit, was trying to explain what that word means to his soul what the, the word of God means to what? What the word of God means to his soul. There is a, there is a, that thing he called entrance is what I want to, I want us to look at tonight. Entrance is, I'm talking about the entrance of the word. I'm talking about that, that incidence of the word upon the soul. It's not every, it's not just every Christian that can, that can touch the word of God. Listening to messages doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean touching. Sometimes the soul can be around the waters of the world and not be touching it. Mm-hmm. The, 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 touching, the touching is the, not the carrying of the Bible or the hearing of the word. The touching is the relation between the soul and the word. There's a way that the soul of a person should be relating with the word. There's something the word needs to be doing with the soul. Are you getting what I'm saying? Well, Satan has done a lot of things around that place. He has done so much. If, if you want to tell me what his great investment is, he has seen seasons of, um, he's seen seasons of blessing upon the earth, seasons when dew will begin to fall. He has seen it, Satan knows, he knows God, he knows how God operates. He knows that there will be a time when on the earth, God will now want to start talking to, to men. That he wants to start. You see that God's inward counsel. The secret counsel. God, Satan must have been seeing that thing on the inside of God. That look. God. He knows what it is. He's been around it. You can't have a cherubim. 
that is someone who's raised as a cherub without having, in fact, a cherubim is, is a being who is, who is raised to sight God's inward carriage of his judgment and his law. So a, a cherub is, is someone who has eyes to see, to see the inside of God. They call them, in Psalm 103, call them angels. Bless you, the Lord, all you is angels. Who, you who excel in strength. And what is the strength which you are excellent in? Is in hearkening unto the, the voice of his word. And we saw the description of cherubs, that they have eyes full of, full of eyes within, full of eyes what, without. So it means that those cherubims of glory, every cherubim, they call them cherubims of glory. So they are, cherubims are creatures of glory. Man wasn't made like that. Man's soul is supposed to journey into that kind of estate, but man wasn't made. You won't see Adam of glory. Are you getting what I'm talking about? They've been, but they call them cherubims of glory. Those ones are beings who are one with the glory realm. When you look at the ark, they put a framing of a sculpture of them. The ones who have wings, who cover. So that was the anointed cherub that cover it. Praise the Lord. So a being who is, that is framed for glory, you know, that's actually what they want to make you to. They want to make you a vessel that is fitted for the glory of God. But those beings at their own level in the angelic, they were made so. They were made, they were created, fitted for glory. What does it mean to be fitted for glory? It means that they have the eyesight to, to see the glory of God. Do you see that? They have the word, the sight to determine the glory. And when we say glory of God, that glory, glory can be interpreted in different ways. When you hear glory, you just think of shining. It's true, it's light, but... There's something you cannot separate. In God, you can't separate light from testimony. Testament, call it testimony, call it word, all we've been saying concerning it. And that's what the picture of the most holy was depicting, that the realm, the place of the glory is when the glory never appeared. They built a house, glory did not come. They did everything, glory did not come until they brought the ark and put the testament in the ark. Then the glory came and rested upon the testament. Are you seeing that? That was just showing you something that this God's glory, there is something that if you can remove it from God, you won't see his, his glory anymore. That, 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 that when you see God, glorious God, glorious God, and all his glory, that glory is attached to something. Do you see that then? And that glory travels with that thing, like the way it was traveling with Israel. Wherever the ark goes, the glory rests. The Shekinah glory. Are you getting what I'm saying? That is telling you something, that God's testament, in that season, you can summarize the testament or the covenant which they had, which was written on stone, you can summarize that as, let's say, let's call it the word of God to Israel. That will be accurate, right? The word of God to Israel was that testament. So it means that 
the glory, the, the glory is, the, is the property of the word, right? The glory, what is the glory? The glory is the light. Do you see that? The glory is the, the light that emanates from God's presence. So you are seeing almost graphically, you can see even God demonstrating the picture of word becoming light. Do you, are you seeing that? The picture of what? Of word becoming what? Becoming light. Word becoming light, which is what is the, the things written on the testament has the ability to, to have a glowing effect in the most holy place. And God told Moses that it's out of that place between the cherubim upon the mercy seat. He told him, I will commune with you. I will commune. So in that place of communion, you see, if, I don't know if Moses might have heard an audible sound. It's possible. I don't know. Maybe it's just light shining. I don't know. But somehow God was talking to him. Do you see that? So it means that, that there is something, when the Spirit of God is present, the Spirit of God can quicken the Word of God. And then he makes that Word a light. That is what I want us to see. That he, made, he has to, what the soul consumes is light. What the soul consumes is light. The, the, the ministry of the Spirit is to turn the Word of God into a light that can be used by the soul. What the soul uses to journey is light. Praise the Lord. The soul uses what? Light to, to journey. Amen. Thank you, Father. So he says, the entrance of your word giveth light. And what understanding to who? To the simple. Praise God. So in verse 8, back to John very quickly. Verse chapter 8. <clears throat> verse 12. It says, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of what? Of life. Shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Amen. Amen. Let us read Psalm. Glory to God. Psalm 36 <clears throat> that we read on uh, Wednesday. <clears throat> Glory to Jesus. Psalm 36, it says, verse, uh, verse 9, it says, For with thee is the fountain of life. Then in thy light we see what? Light with thee, with thee is the fountain of life. Then in thy light shall we see light. Now, this thee here is God, they are talking of God Himself. That with God, there is a God has a fountain of life 
were in him. Praise God. And at that fountain of life, you, the fountain is flowing out of God. Now, we know in the book of 1 John, he said that this is the promise that he has promised us, even what? Eternal life. So promise actually means um, it's a, it's a, what God has to give. That thing which you must journey to. The promise which he has promised us is eternal life. Now, when they say fountain, is the fountain of life. When you hear the word fountain of life, the fountain of life is the... Um, the fountain of life, you have to, what life is it? That fountain is a, is a collection of the life of Christ, everlasting life, eternal life. Yes. Of the life of Christ, then what? Everlasting life, and what? Eternal life. So when you hear about the fountain, it's called the fountain of life. You see in the book of Revelation, Chapter 22. He said, and he showed me, verse 1, he showed me a pure river of water of life that was flowing out of God, out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. So you see that river of life. They don't call it river of eternal life, everlasting. They didn't qualify. They just tell you this thing is a river of life. It's actually flowing. So that, that river is the fountain. But you see, that fountain has to, that fountain can step down at a point. Do you see that? There's a fountain that whose source is God. When you trace the fountain of life, praise God. You want to trace the fountain of life and get to its source. When you land at the very source, you find that you've landed at the, the inward life of God. That the, the life that God is using himself, that is the source. But as the, as the fountain is traveling, one life can, that life, after a point, it will decide in itself to shift its properties and step it down or reduce it. Keeping in mind that where is it journeying to? It has to journey to a place where the corrupt man the man who, the man who, the man who is helpless, uh, a man who has been subject to abuse of darkness for a long time, a soul who, imagine, for example, a gentile soul. Praise God. Imagine a Gentile soul for, who has darkness as an inheritance. Right. Imagine somebody who is alienated from the life of God. Right, where he was saying like, that you walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. Right? Having their understanding one, darkened. Because of the ignorance, what? That's, that is what? Because of the blindness of their heart. Are you getting what I'm saying? So you're talking about blindness of heart, having understanding, darking. Amen. All of those things resulting in the alienation from the life. So all of those things, that's Ephesians chapter, is it chapter 4? Praise God. Amen. 
All of those things, what, verse what? Ephesians 4, 17, can you read it quickly? Thank you, Father. <clears throat> Ephesians 4, 17. This, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk mm -hmm. in the vanity of their mind, yes. having the understanding darkened, mm -hmm. being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, Yes. Because of the blindness of their heart. Of their heart. Praise God. So what makes them alienated from the life of God is the ignorance that is in them, right? Because of what? The, the blindness of their heart. So it means that the fountain of God's life has to flow to a soul. That a soul that is in that state must flow to a, to a point where it is near enough that a soul that has having all those problems and all those sicknesses, when you say Gentiles, they just think of ourselves, all of us, praise God, um, that a soul can easily begin to relate with God's life, praise God. Somebody who has darkness as their inheritance, somebody who has blindness of the heart, the, the word of God must come at to a, a level. So it's very clear that someone who has blindness in the heart and then that's resulted in alien. Who's an alien? Somebody who is foreign, right? An alien, the word alien has to do with life form, another life form, someone who, is not, who doesn't share your own kind of life. Do you see that? A different life form. That's how we are to God. It's another kind of life form. That this is, these are, guys are aliens. So imagine an alien to God, someone who is alienated from the life of God. You can't begin to talk to that person about um, how does God think, how does God reason, what does God say. That's what will make someone think that all God's, all God's headache is how to give you a million dollars. That is what will make you feel that all God is thinking about is how to make you the biggest, uh, to make all his children, the, all the leaders, the president of all the countries, and all, have all the money on the earth. What are the things that we, we reduce God to? All of those things. Are you seeing that all of those thoughts is coming from alienation from the life of God? It is, because if you are alien from God's life, then you must summarize God as something. You must... There's a way that you would just summarize him, okay, yeah. And then when you summarize him, it's based on, it's, it's based on things that have value in your own life, in your, your, that your life actually values. So God, men will reduce God to all those things so that, such that if you take away all the things that matter to man's natural life, then man will have no definition of God. Praise God. When I'm saying definition, I'm not talking about your theological, scriptural. I say, who is God? Ah, he's the one who makes up everyone. What does that mean to you? I'm not talking about that. Praise God. <laughs> that will define God. God is the, that, that, based on his quote scripture. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about as a human being, what does God mean to you? 
How, how we will know is that when we check your life, where, when do you call God? When do you mention God? Where, do you, where is the space that you put him? What is his role to you? Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, you now discover that, that, that if you remove all the reduction that we've and place we've given to God surrounding our natural life and estate, we find out that in our existence, we have no definition for God. Do you get what I'm saying? We have no definition. We have no place. We have, we are, that's, what call, that's what it means to be an alien. Being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them to the blindness of their heart. So it's very clear that the place where meaning of God begins to register is heart. Yes, sir. And that heart is the blindness. Satan, the devil put, cast blindness in the heart and then come and create a definition of God around the person. That, and then define religion based on all those definitions of God. Where in, but the aspect of man who, who is really meant to discover God is blind. They put, just put a blindness in the heart and then let the person in all their Christianity be relating with a definition of God which Satan defined for man. What we've defined as God is not scripture defined. It's not scripture. It's not, this is not the God that we, we, we serve mostly it's not the God that Paul was preaching. It's not the God that John was talking about. It's not the God that Jesus was speaking about. Because they didn't speak about all these other things that we are related with God concerning. Praise God. Are you understanding what I'm trying to say? Aha. So what we're trying to talk about, we're trying to talk about, the Lord wants to bridge that thing, that gap between the word the word, the word, the word is, the word is talking and speaking and is, is ministering. And, but, but man is on this other side, covered in blindness. The aspect of him that's supposed to be hearing it cannot hear it because it's covered with blindness. But he's constantly busy with his own definitions of God. So that is when he now say the entrance of thy word. Give it light. The entrance. The, this is the reason for scriptural revelation. The reason for the Bible is entrance. They want to, so the, the, God wants to invade the place where blindness has been given and established as an inheritance to man. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. 
Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Let's hear the interpretation of that. It's a work of a covering cast. It is the work of a covering cast for darkness. It is a work of a covering cast. It is the covering cast that cast and put seals and put seals upon the hearts of men for not to see the true light. It is the work of a covering cast. It is a work of a covering cast for it is the work of a covering cast for darkness, darkness, thick darkness. It is the work of a covering cast upon the hearts of men. Upon the hearts of men, upon the hearts of men, for not to see me, for not to see me, for not to see me. But I don't for my light yet shineth in darkness, and darkness cannot comprehend it. For I am bringing my light, for my light is my word, and my light is my way. It is my way, it is my way, it is my way. For I am bringing my light, I am shining my light, I am shining my light for to erode darkness for to erode darkness for to erode darkness for even my light is a covering it is a covering it is a covering it is a covering it is a covering it'll get off for it was the anointed cherub that covered so in darkness he is covering men from me but i am bringing my light to uncover you and to cover you away from every form of darkness for stay in my light my light is shining i am shining my light by my word i am bringing life for in light you see life in light you see life for it is in the heart it is in the heart i am going to the depth of the heart to uncover darkness to uncover darkness it is by my light open up for my light to come says the spirit of the lord thank you jesus amen amen so um so what we are saying is um we have to see we have to see god's life uh, or let's see God's life, we have to see God's life as a, as some sort of, um, as some sort of continuum. Um, that's the way, where, the way they speak concerning it as a fountain. It's something that flows from God. That when it has it flows, but it's a fountain that becomes a river with thresholds. It's a fountain that is a river with what? With thresholds. But in it, for each threshold, as you ascend into God, is a step up. But at the flow of the river of life, is a, it has specific step-down points of that life. Amen. <laughs> Do you see that? So... So it's very clear that Christ, the life of Christ is the is a type, it's a kind of life of God. It's a life which God's own life created. 
right? It's with God's own life created the kind of life, praise God, which will, will do the first warfare in his soul, to position the soul to be able to flow upward into, the, into the life of God. Do you see that? It's like a, it's a life that is a step-down life <laughs> of God, which a man can have. Praise God. Now, they, amen, can we be attentive today? Uh-huh. This kind of day, they can give you a serious blessing. We need to have skill to war, war against spirits. Praise God. Um, when there is the, there's what the Bible is calling, Jesus is calling it the light of life. Right? The, the light of life. The light of life. There's the light of life. Then there is, in that John chapter 8, he first called himself the light of the world. Those are not the same thing. First the light of the world, and then he's the, then the light of life. The light of the world. Say, I am the light of the world, and he that followeth me, who, who follows me, will not walk in darkness, but shall what? Shall have the light of life. Amen. Now, the light of life means the he who who sheds light on life, who illuminates life. That thing, the problem of man, defined in Ephesians chapter 4, is alienation from the life of God. That thing, that alienation, is the, that is the enemy of man. That is the problem that man has. Is alienation. And that, an alien is not a next-door neighbor. That you can invite your house to your house tomorrow. Or you can. A neighbor, is it a next door country? Someone who lives in the next country to you. Or the next continent. An alien is somebody who is outside your world entirely. I want you to understand something. We need to understand. It's like we started Christianity from a false point. It's a false, a very, very false place. Like you give your life to Jesus, become my Lord. And after that, Jesus became your father who is sleeping in the next bedroom beside you. That's not, that's not the truth. You get what I'm saying? Like, ah, oh, we're now in the house of God. So God is just there. My God, how are you? This morning, I just, uh, I just came to tell you uh, I, that I, I love you. Thank you for getting me born again now. We have some things to do. How can we do this? I need your counsel concerning this matter and all that. You, talk, you feel like you just have that relationship. God is my father. No, that is not. That is a false place to, that, to, to where we started from. It's because of blindness. Do you get what I'm saying? Now, God has helped most of us, so we can talk about the salvation of the soul, right? Now, I wouldn't say this to a newborn, a new Christian, because a new Christian has to feel that God is his father, and he has to understand the Holy Spirit. And know that by the Holy Spirit, and by virtue of in their spirit man, who they are, in their spirit man, they have proximity to God. They can pray to him and talk to him and all of that, by virtue of those things. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when we now look inside the soul. When you look at the spirit, you see 
He that is one spirit with, he that is what? Joined with Christ is one spirit with him. You see, it looks like you and God are just pals, pals. But when you look at the soul, you are seeing two alien life forms. Do you go, and the church is not meant to dwell too long on the new creation realities of the spirit. Do you know why? Because that thing has nothing to do with you as a church. You don't know, know how it happened. You don't know what even, the pastor doesn't know what happened. How did, was the spirit raised back to life? He doesn't know anything about the spirit business. There's no pastor who God called to pastor his spirit. Nobody can pastor your spirit. Your, your spirit man is not pastorable. It's not, it's not, it's not a, a, a thing for church. That it's not church, there's not for church to deal with. Are you getting what I'm saying? The, the spirit, see, he that is joined with the Lord is one spirit with him. Do you get, so the spirit man is the entity who has already married Jesus. That's Jesus' own thing. So, but it's like church, we camp around that, what has happened in my spirit? I'm this, I'm that, I'm, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, I'm born again, I'm seated with him in heavenly place. It's true, but check it, Paul just mentioned those things. He didn't dwell on those areas. Rather, what they were dealing with in the Bible is the reality of your soul. There's a problem, which is the problem which church is meant to solve. Do you know what I'm saying? So the church should not stay too much basking in those realities. You should acknowledge them. You should know them and walk from the standpoint of that understanding of those realities. Because that is where the confidence of your identity comes from. And it's very key to have that. But after that, when you now look inside the soul, the, the church is the, is the place where they send people who are aliens, who are candidates of learning God's own life. That's the, the school of what? Of the life of God. The church is the place where you heal the blindness of the heart, where you take out the ignorance that is in men and then introduce the soul to the life of God. Praise the Lord. So that, that place of ignorance is ignorance concerning what God's life. The blindness of the heart, what the heart is blind concerning, is the life of God. Do you see that? So it means the answer to that problem doesn't really come until the soul begins to have the light of life. The, what Jesus called the light of life is first I'm the light of the world. But if any man follow me, then he will have the light of life. So if the person, the person following Jesus is already interacting with him as a light. Following is not a switch. Following means you start interaction and following and following until one day you get to something. So it means that there will be a time when the soul hasn't arrived at the light of life. It doesn't have the light of life yet, but it's still following the light of the world. Do you understand it? So who Jesus is, first is the, Jesus, the first light he manifests as to, a, to the soul is Jesus is, he comes first as the light of the world, which if someone follows, then they will have the light of life. Means that 
when they have, begin to have the light of life, or when the light of life begins to be ministered to a soul, is the point where they've started touching the problem yeah. of the soul, which is that blindness of the heart, which results in the alienation from the world, from the life of God. Praise God. Now, I want us to see two, we have seen light, but I want us to see three different, we're talking about the word now, three different aspects of ministry of light. These are aspects of ministry of light that every Christian should know and be conversant with. You should be able to have demarcation of those lights, those dealings of light and ministry of light inside of your soul. You should have an understanding of them. <clears throat> First, light of the world. Secondly, who you call the light of life. Praise God. The light of life. Which is light of life. First, the light of life. When you have the light of life, in truth, in the light of life, you see light. That is what we are bridging Psalm 36, comparing with John chapter 8. Now, what I'm saying to you is held by all the scripture. We started journeying to see it last time, and we'll do a little bit, a little bit more of that today in, through the scripture. Praise God. But what they are, when they're telling you in the Psalm 36, when it says that with you is the fountain of life, that in your light we shall see light. Is that what it says? Is there a shall there? Praise God. What does it mean of a shall? It means it's not happened. It's not happened. In your light, then we shall see light. So it means that there is a, the fountain means that which is extended. It's traveling far. A fountain is traveling far. Fountain, there's a point where it's springing from. Then there's a point where you can meet it later, where it's traveling to. So with you as the fountain of life, then in your light, we shall see light. In your light, we shall see light. So, so there is a light, which light is keeping. Do you see that? There is, a there is, there is the light that is the ultimate treasure. There is a light that what? That is the what? That light is the light which John encountered. And he, that was the ministry of John. Was how can John was, a, was someone who they sent to people who have found the light, who now need to begin to see light. Who need to? Is a, a teaching. John, John was the apostle to preach the other light in light. John is an apostle in light. John was, Paul was to turn men from darkness to light. That is one aspect of ministry. Are you getting what I'm saying? That is, that is to turn men from darkness to light. Praise the Lord. 
In John, John's own language was different. John began to say, darkness is past. <laughs> but now the true light already shines. Yes, if darkness is past, it means you are in a season of a light, but there's something called the true light that needs to shine. So John was, a, was an apostle of the true light. Am I correct? Let's, let's read First John for a little bit. Amen. Glory to Jesus. First John chapter two. First of all, let's just read a bit from chapter one. We can't read all of John, so we'll just pick a little. Praise God. His beginning conversation of chapter one, verse one, he said that that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, right, which we have seen with our eyes, and which we have looked upon, and our hand has what? Our handled of the word, of the word of life. Praise God. That which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled. So, is, that word, word of life, is, is the fountain. Right? The, the word of life is the fountain of life. Then what John is saying is, I want to write unto you concerning that which we have seen, which we have heard and seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled off the word of life. He's talking about a particular aspect of the fountain. I don't know if you can get the sense of John here. Is it clear what I just said? Is it clear? I don't want to waste time if we all get it. We don't get it? Okay. So when he's saying that, you want to, let's bring down what he's saying. He says, that which we have heard, seen, looked upon, handled, of the word of life, of the word of life, there is that which we have heard, seen, looked upon, and handled of the word of life. That which, which means particular. There's actually a, he's not talking about the entire word of life. Paul was a minister. He had, he had a portion of ministry in the word of life. He had a, Paul himself spoke about his own death, dispensation. That is the language of an apostle. He, any apostle who is just here talking about this one is not an apostle. Apostles are not like that. Apostles are guys who have met Jesus and Jesus gave them something very specific. There's something they are an apostle of. An apostle is a sent one. They sent him with something. And you see, a lot of times an apostle will be talking concerning that which he was sent for. Paul kept mentioning that. In the book of Ephesians, you saw him speaking concerning that dispensation of the word of God. Let's see it very, very quickly. What, um, in Ephesians. I think Ephesians chapter 2. Glory to Jesus. Ephesians, Ephesians 3. Verse, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, it says, For this cause I, Paul, the 
prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, that if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word. The word dispensation means out of something. Yes. You took up, you dispensed. Yes. Right? Dispensation means that a portion out of something. So he's saying here that there is a, a dispensation of the grace of God. Right? The grace of God is also talking about word. That word grace just means word. Do you, do you agree with that? Uh, I need to join in scripture again to prove that. You, you know that. Grace. Praise God. I commend, you to, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among them that are sanctified. So word is just the vehicle, how they, they transport grace. We're talking about grace the other day. You know, Grace is the energy of God. Grace is divine energy. Then word is the bringer of grace. That's just what word is. Word is every time word land, grace has landed. It's a God of the Lord of your heart. Hope to, to the, for the word grace that should come to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Are you seeing that? So when you see dispensation of the grace of God, it's talking about the dispensation of what? Of the word of God, which is given me to what you would. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in words, whereby you read, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in what? The mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophet by what? By the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. So Paul was speaking concerning his ministry. He's not to teach everything. Uh, He has his his dispensation that is to make people partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. That's what he called his promise in Christ, which is not the full promise which he had promised us eternal life. There's a portion of the promise, which is the promise in where? In Christ, then verse 7, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace. That word gift means portion of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Verse 8, unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given, particular, this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable word riches. Of Christ. Are you seeing that Paul here is just he's speaking concerning his own portion of the it's a giant ministry. It's a giant profession. The different grace of apostleships which are given for man to come into this thing we call life, which God has to give. But Paul was speaking concerning his own. And we saw on his way to Damascus, as he was narrating in Acts 26, where the Lord was very specific concerning it concerning the ministry, that your job is to go and turn men from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they might receive what forgiveness of sins and then an inheritance among them that are what sanctified by what? By faith that is in me. 
So it means the inheritance among them sanctified by faith in me. We've journeyed the scripture to see that is also the same thing as the inheritance of the saints in light, according to Colossians chapter 1. So Paul was a Paul was Paul was a he was a he was a power, a powerhouse that God gave to, to transport men from darkness into light. That was the it was Paul was a hey when you Paul's ministry, Paul's ministry was a bridge from darkness to light. And it, if you have if you, the first time you ever see, say, thank God for Paul. Hi. That work, the bridging ministry. Hi. Then when you enter that light, you now begin to see all kinds of things. John can talk to you. Yes, Praise the Lord. You, you, you understand Peter more clearly. Hi. You understand James. You can yes, understand Jesus, his own, his own epistle, book of Revelation, because you are in light. But you see that job of Paul, for which God and Jesus encountered him, See, you, it's a particular meaning. Hey! When he was stalling him, Paul was narrating to what Jesus said. He said that I must show you many things which you must suffer for my name's sake. So to do that job, God had to find a man who owes him everything. Because that job is not easy. The kind of warfare you're going to fight to do that kind of job. Because if you're not a man who owes everything, you can, you can run away at some point. <laughs> By the time the, all the spirits who have been investing in, in darkness in men for millions, sorry, for thousands and thousands of years, you now begin to tamper with what they are, what they are work. Imagine you, you want to go and spoil somebody's work. <laughs> That's what Paul was doing. Those spirits... When you see them, they are positioned, they balance. They are watching their work. When they are seeing men going to work, coming back home, going on vacation, coming back, going here, doing that, worshiping in church, thank you, raising up holy hands, they are watching their work. Yes. Things are going fine. And then a man called Saul of Tarsus came. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Yes, sir. That was not an easy job. They went to kill him. Yes. Shipwreck, everything. Praise the Lord. As a boy, they, even, they actually killed him. They even stoned him to death. He woke up again. <laughs> anyway, that, that job is a, is a very, it's not an easy job. You know what? To, to break men free, to, to give a soul the taste of light, to give the taste of light to the soul. Praise the Lord. That was the work that God used. And thank God for Paul's epistles. Thank God for his epistles. Thank God for Romans. What about Romans? See, Romans, Paul began to share and explain mystery. Imagine that thing called sin. No man understood what sin was. Nobody understood sin. Nobody understood what sin was. What people thought sin was is not what sin was. But thank God God raised Paul began to write doctrine concerning sin, to explain sin. So actually, actually, sins, whatever is not of faith, actually. Who can ever come up with such a definition? That's an apostolic definition. They, they, no, Satan is banked that no man can ever define sin in this way. Praise God. Hallelujah. 
Paul was the one who defined, um, who then defined righteousness. And then instead of defining righteousness as your offering and everything you do, he began to, to define righteousness with respect to revealed will. Revelation. <laughs> My heart is that I'm prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. If I bear them record, they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And when have they had this zeal for a long time? They were serving God with zeal. Spirits were happy. Ride on, ride on, ride, ride on prosperously. When they are bringing their goat and their cow and everything, ride on prosperously. The Lord, thy God is hearing thy prayers. So if I bear them record they, that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they've been ignorant of God's righteousness. Hmm. Are going about establishing. They now began to speak. But the righteousness that is of faith. Hmm. Speak it on this wise. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? That is the thank God for the gift of apostolic ministry. Apostolic ministry is, is a ministry that looks where men are not looking. Some, it's a ministry that possesses a soul to look another way. That way that spirits have hidden over time. Paul began to define life. Redefine the purpose of life. Paul began to create the framework of light. Wherein his soul can live upon the earth. Imagine a man by word begin to define another reality. Began to introduce concept of living by faith. The just shall live by faith. Nobody wow. has ever heard such a thing before. Men have done faith exploit, caused heaven to close, caused the sun to stand still, but no, they never lived by faith. <laughs> the era of men who lived by faith were, had, had passed away upon the earth. They had all died. They had all gone. The legacy of faith was completely gone from the earth. Are you understanding what I'm trying to say? The Lord will help our heart to celebrate light more. Amen. You know, because of, you know, Satan is intimidating. It's the way he does his own thing. He glamorizes things very, very quickly and easy, very easy. Makes things glamorous. So when you look at the world, you feel like, ah, this is where life is happening. But the Lord will give us grace to celebrate, to celebrate the heritage of light. You, are, you, you, should be a, you should be a person that celebrates seeing. Celebrate understanding. When people are celebrating cash, money, how many houses they've acquired this, there are other things you should celebrate. Celebrate seeing. Celebrate revelation. At some point, all Paul had was his revelation. They took everything from him. But that revelation was, was ah, he said, I've counted all these things down for the excellency of the knowledge of what? For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Can, can you suffer the loss of all things? Can you suffer the loss of all things and then, and be, and still be enjoying hard pressed on every side? Praise God. He brought another, another thought entirely. Another thought. 
Before in the Old Testament, when somebody's afflicted, it's all crying and wailing and sackcloth and God, why have you done this? Because there's no hope. There's nothing else to celebrate apart from the physical possession and all of that. Another strange one came and said, well, we glory in tribulation. Hey! <laughs> From tribulation, one kept. Different kind of, are you seeing different kind of soul than New Testament? See, one, this thing you are seeing here is to, they want to make you all an alien on the earth. That's one thing. That you are an alien of God, but once you begin to enter God's life, what happens? You become an alien to this world, man. You become very, very, very strange. How can you glory in tribulation? He didn't just say that tribulation. Well, I manage tribulation. When this tribulation comes, oh, God will see me through it. And he, will just, he will deliver us one day. But once said we glory in it, actually. For tribulation, work at patience. Patience, character, character, experience, experience. And experience, hope. But hope does not disappoint. For the love of God is shed abroad in our heart. These are men who are, who are following the path of Jesus. The same path who for the joy that was set before him. Are you getting what I'm saying? You can never have this attitude outside light. Outside light. So when you're talking about light, in coming into light, there's an inheritance of saints in light that you will never appreciate until you've gained passage from darkness. Are you getting what I'm saying? That was Paul's ministry. Turn them from darkness unto light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sin and then an inheritance. They will now find an inheritance among all those that are sanctified. Praise the Lord. So, so you're seeing John here. So John is another apostle who, who picked up the torch, the baton, right, and said, okay, you guys have actually arrived in season of light. But now, there is, John received a ministry in light. There is a ministry, like I was saying last time, when we talk about everlasting eternal life, that some people get confused. And it's because it's a sign that you are not yet inside light. Because it's in light you see light. You don't try to see light. If, you, if you're not, another is it a time for you to get discouraged and say, we are going home. No, no, we don't, care. We don't understand this thing. Why are you trying to define everlasting eternal life? What's the, this, in fact, this is the point where we are going to revolt. You have been doing this thing since now. At this point, you have gone beyond the point of the return. You know, souls can get angry. <laughs> when doctrine begins to change, you don't understand God. God is not, it's not your little brother. God is a God is. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Counsel can shift gear. The same scripture. After a while, I begin to speak another language. Just change language all of a sudden. The same verses you need to know, just begin to change another. The same chapter verses, and they, they arrange themselves in certain ways by the Spirit to, to show you the life of Christ. After a while, they shift arrangement. So we won't now talk to you about the, the ultimate treasure. So it's very clear that what the inspiration and interpretation you receive from the scripture is dependent on the present movement of the spirit. 
Because the only men who were writing it, they wrote by movement to encode life, different levels of life in the scripture. That same ghost can move differently in different seasons to bring different, different aspects of the fountain. There will be a threshold in that fountain, that river. When you step, ah, this is another level. Oh, the current is different. When you step back, ah, this, is, yeah, this is how we knew this thing before. When we step further into another dimension, a different current. Hey, you'll be afraid. We just... Are you getting what I'm trying to say? That's the way ministry of revelation is. It's He's talking about baptism over baptism. Every day you're getting baptized. You're getting baptized. And then your, your baptism for tomorrow is dependent on your baptism for today. Because who, who, the only person who, who they can baptize into the deeper end is somebody who has gained what? Stamina. You cannot stream, swim in deep waters if you have not swum in shallow water. It builds things on the inside of you. So that when they throw you into deep water, your interpretation will not be, hey, they brought me here to kill me. <laughs> your interpretation must be, it's time to swim. <laughs> it's not the same thing. That's how you tell who has swam in shallow water. One person, oh, it's time to die, God, they better kill me. The other, the other person handles the waves and because of training, because he has, he, he has gained skill, the skill of the fountain, skill of the river. Skill. So, the purpose of, skill, of, of the life of Christ is to make, give you skill of navigation in the waters of life, in the waters of the spirit. At that, at that point, your, your, your mind is already so used to comparing spiritual things with spiritual any mind who is not used to, as a daily food, constantly comparing spiritual with spiritual, forget about everlasting eternal life or mm. those things. Because you, you are trying to compare it with Gary and soup and how you, all those things. But, and it's not, it can never make sense in that world. <laughs> comparing spiritual with what? That's one of the things that the nature of, or the life of Christ, the school of Christ, teaches the soul how to do. It teaches the soul how to carry spiritual thought and hold spiritual thought and stop trying to validate it with things you know naturally. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? It's a training, it's not easy, it's not easy. It can make the soul get tired and weary lose interest, and then the, it, because it is not initially entertaining. It's not initially entertaining. Taking spiritual thought. You know, you, know, you have, they give you this thought, and what will unlock the thought is another spiritual thought. The key to that thought is another spiritual. It's not a natural thought. It's not in your nature, your way of thinking. They have to fetch, so to continue from spiritual to spiritual to spiritual to spiritual is a training. Only a soul who can do that consistently can enter the conversation of God's own word, of God's own life, because God himself, God is a spirit. 
And they say God is not only spirit. They are not, now call him the father of spirits. What does that mean? It means that the only people God trains are spirits. That word father means a trainer. So when you, when you look for God's own children, you can never see a soul who is not a spirit. <laughs> it's, the, it's Christ that handles natural men and make them spiritual. Don't bring a natural man to Christ, to God. He will drown. He, he might lose his salvation. He might lose his faith. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So the children of, of God are product of the life of Christ who are already spiritual. Then they come to, will you not rather be subject to the father of spirits and live? I mean, not everybody can be subject to the father of spirits. Whom God love, he chastises and then scourges every son whom he receiveth. By the time the son has been received by him, they are received to become subject to the father of spirit. Means they must have become a spiritual soul. They must, they must have been an enlightened soul. Do you know who is an enlightened soul? It's not the one who has read many textbooks. That's not enlightenment. That's that. Textbooks add more darkness and blindness. They are blind. That's why there are some textbooks you shouldn't read if you don't have enough light to counter the darkness that they, they have. There are, <laughs> there are some textbooks that have power to remove God from the equation. And, and the only powerful thing is that they don't mention God. It's not that they are saying, we, we know that people, you are a religious guy and you like this God. Just, I just came to tell you that this God really is not really a thing, it's not existing. So you have to be, uh, be an atheist. No, no. It's just talking about books that make life make sense. Life just, me, ah, ah, life. Ah, you're just seeing life in a different way. Oh, okay, okay. In that era, that's why they, these, oh, oh you know, oh, this is why these nations are great. These are, these are not great. The first world, it all, I could have seen. Explanation of, of the world. They are all lies. They are lies. It's to make you comfortable as if things make sense. Man, things don't really make sense. <laughs> You know, that's one thing. Universities are anointed with that kind of, hey, I remember my university. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't like university. You know, my, my biggest problem is the feeling when you enter there. There's a feeling, man. I don't know if you guys experienced that thing. Maybe it's just only me. There's just a feeling about that place. Hey. When you see some of the profs, when they're just, I know those professors, they don't usually wear suit and everything all the time. They just look like you and I, but they dress, but you wonder, hey, these guys, when do they, in that they are meeting, what do they talk about? How do they, there's a serenity to the atmosphere, you know what I mean? You, you, you can't just, you can't shout there. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. Do you know that the, the atmosphere of, in some universities, they are more, they are more serene than churches. Yes, yes. Some churches are very, some schools are very rascally. They, when they, in church, they can behave anyhow. But when they go to school, imagine entering a library in the faculty of medicine. You, maybe if you enter a library, faculty of medicine, you yourself. You'll be looking at all the guys studying there. I will just say, what kind of being is this guy? 
is the reverence. Something with it's an awe. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Those things are not ordinary. Don't tell me that. It's just could just be a lie. It's spiritual. It's, that place is powerful. Someone can go to that place and they will wear garment on his soul. It can, it can take a humble, make a humble soul proud. Spirits are in those, in those places. Why? What is the power? When you stay there for a long time, engage with the thought, you start seeing the foolishness of God, thinking about God and thinking about the spiritual. They want to make you feel like everything you can calculate and measure and prove and define and explain. That that's all there is. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. But you know what's happening is that the world is, is, is getting near to its end. Do you know that? You know that the, this world was only useful to a point. There's a point where the world will no longer be useful to Satan. After a while, you begin to see that the world will begin to show problems that all the schools of learning can never solve. <clears throat> Why? Because sin in man has, has grown. It's becoming a monster. Sin in man will grow to a point, to a point where physics, medicine, Psychology, engineering, political science, all of those fields of learning, they begin to see monsters in men that don't fit into their... You get what I'm saying? That's why there's actually something inside man that cannot be understood and that cannot be measured. And you cannot explain the soul, the soul the soul of man. There is no learning on earth that can summarize the soul and profess solutions to the soul. That soul that the world is trying to make feel like, ah, there is no God, you can live without God. And this natural is all there is. That soul can rebel against nature. That's where the problem begins to come. When the soul begins to do things that are, con- that are not convenient, Biology right now is in shambles, right? Yeah. Okay. One, of the, one of the most difficult things you can do to a biologist now, sit a biologist down, that has a very high level of attainment in biology with all his degrees, PhDs upon P, and everything, and sitting down, I ask him just one simple question. Sir, and I make sure his colleagues, everybody's around. <laughs> so they can, we may bring him on CNN or something, and then sit him down so everybody can hear his answer and say, me, Sir, biologist, sir, what is a woman? <laughs> what kind of, what, what have you done? You've caused a serious, 
<laughs> Even in the U.S., recently, the, the new Supreme Court judge that they wanted to confirm, imagine a judge of a Supreme You know what it means by that? It means that any problem in the land, even if that's the last bus stop, that's, that's where the final judgment of anything in the land should end. It means that in terms of judgment of all kinds of matters, they should have so much skill and so much brightness. She would just confirm the latest justice, they just confirmed it. They sat her down in Congress, just normal confirmation. Yes, sir. One of those, <laughs> those Republican guys, yes, sir. Please, can you define a woman? Problemo. Wahala. You now begin to see all kinds of grammar that. So you mean that biology is nonsense, right? It's one of the other things that are stronger than biology. <laughs> that biologists can say you are a woman, but the soul can say I'm not actually, I don't agree to that. <laughs> the soul can say, look, all this I don't really agree to all those things right now. Forget about that. I don't feel like a woman. Forget about it. <laughs> And this is just the beginning. I don't, I'm not saying this to tell you that all these things are lies. I'm, t- I'm not telling you that, uh, of course, biology is correct, it's scientific, but I'm telling you that, that soul has big, deeper, greater aspirations than what it can measure and what it can calculate and all of those things. That word, empirical word, is too small for the soul. After a while, the soul will get tired of it. I want to break into something else. So don't make, let anybody feel like, make you feel like your spirituality is nothing. There will be a time when problems will begin to arise that only your spirituality can solve. Say light. You are children of light. Praise God. Paul said that you said you were once darkness, but now are you light? In the Lord. Let's see that. I think it's Ephesians. Ephesians chapter, <coughs> chapter 5. Praise God. We'll, we'll, we'll still talk about John a little. If we have time. Praise God. There's a way that the Lord wants us to handle the profession of light. No, we need to add more seriousness to it. Don't let any, any, this, this lying world make down play your profession. Your profession, you are more serious than a medical doctor. You are more serious than an, an engineer. What you are doing is more serious. What you are doing has more value to humanity, to the human race, than all those things. Don't let any, any, any of those spirits make you feel or commonize the profession, your spiritual profession. Praise God.
verse 6, it says, let no man, Ephesians 5, verse 6, it says, let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as what? Children of light. What is this saying? When he's saying light in the Lord, he's talking about your spirit. That you were sometimes darkness. So when he's saying you were sometimes darkness, now are ye light. He's talking about identity. Your spirit is your identity. That spirit was the definition of darkness before. But now, the way Christ will say, I am the light of the world, that light is actually what, who your spirit is. Do you believe what I'm saying? He said the spirit of the man is the candle of Jehovah, is the candle of the Lord. The spirit of the man is what? The, the candle. It means that your spirit is actually, is actually God's candle. Right? So the spirit of a dead man is the, is the candle that God hasn't yet lit. So your new birth is the lighting of the candle of your spirit man. From the day you got born again, you became light in the Lord. Now walk as children of light. You see that? For you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. That's the soul. The spirit is light in the Lord. Now talking to the soul, because the walker is the soul. Because your spirit is now light in the Lord. Now, your soul should begin to what? Walk as what? Children of life. For the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto who? The Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made what manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth what make what manifest. So it means that all things that are reproved, if anything will be reproved, or means if everything will be corrected, there's a fault somewhere that will be reproved. It has to be made manifest by the word, by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he said, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you what? So it is waking, what is t- talking to you, he's talking about the, the person who is now li- who is light in the Lord, yet still asleep. That's the soul, right? The soul. So the soul is light in the Lord, but he's still asleep. Of course, if he's asleep, then he's not walking. <laughs> he's not walking in the light. He's not walking as a child of light. So he's telling you, look, arise. Or awake, awake, thou that sleepest. Arise from the dead, and then Christ shall give thee light. Then when Christ gives the light, then you shall you shall now begin to walk circumspectly. What is walking circumspectly? To walk circumspectly means to walk with spec, 
speck. Circumspectly means you can see. Right? You're walking without blindness. You're walking with light. Right? You're walking with what? You're walking with light. You're walking with light. So, Christ will give you light. Are you seeing what you're saying? You know, you could have easily said, arise from the dead and Christ will give you life. That seems more accurate. Resurrection. Why is he telling you awake to light? Arise from the dead and Christ shall give you light. Then when you receive light, you will walk. It means you cannot walk without light. Uh, Praise the Lord. Glory to Jesus. I said glory to Jesus. It's very clear that the light which Christ wants to give is actually... The ultimate light that Christ wants to give is the light with which the soul will be able to see God. I want us to touch the remaining time with an aspect uh, by God's grace. Let's go back to John. Um, (coughs) Thank you, Jesus. Are we blessed today? Are you sure? How many of you love your profession? You love the profession of of the spirit. You love light. Because darkness is not good, eh? Praise the Lord. First John chapter 1. So he says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard and we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the... So he's talking about a portion, right? Then verse 2, for the life. This is now that, that portion which they have received. That life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. So you are seeing the portion which they are talking about. It's not all the life that. These writings are for a particular aspect is to show that eternal life which was what? With the Father and then was what? Manifested. So it's very clear that eternal life which was with the Father is eternal life. And then the life which was manifested to us is everlasting life. Praise God. Or the word manifest is the life which is manifest, is that life which is lived out. Praise God. The, Jesus was speaking about the living Father. As the living Father has sent me and I live by the Father, so they which eateth me shall live by me. Right? Now, as the Father had life in himself, so I just given the Son to have life in himself. Praise the Lord. Now, that 
talking about the everlasting life of God, praise the Lord, is the, um, maybe I shouldn't use the word everlasting life. Let, let me just talk, say it this way. There is God's life. When we talk about the eternal life of God, God's eternal life does not exist in a, the way God lives his life, he didn't live his life as a demonstration to show anybody. I'm talking about the way God is living. Before you, ever, you were a thought, before God thought about you, or creation, or Adam, or earth, or heaven, before he thought about anything, I'm talking about just God's raw living. I mean, the way his life is in himself. That life is the life that God's, the life of God within him. Talking about that immortal life. The a life in which there is no conversation of dying. There is no, in that life, there is no shadow of turning. Praise the Lord. That's, that's God's own very, 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 very life. <laughs> right? Do you agree with that? Okay. That life, there is no school where you go to learn it. I mean, how God was in his eternal past, that's just God's life. Do you get what I'm trying to say? But for that life to be, for a soul to come into that life, because that life is is now the promise. John said it, that this is the promise which he has promised us, even eternal life. So when God forgot to promise, when God promised that life, the promise was in himself. That promise is a decision. He just just decided, okay, I want to give men this life. That is the promise that God has promised us. So based upon that decision, God has to now, now, now turn his life into a fountain that we have to, I have to make this life in a way that somebody who is an alien can come into it. Do you see that? Somebody who is an alien, who knows nothing concerning it, there has to be a way. So for that to happen, God must find a way to turn his life into a curriculum. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? The wisdom of how to generate electricity that can flow and then light up bulbs and everything, that thing sat as an understanding inside a man. Was it Michael Faraday? All the, was it, is it the one? You engineers? <laughs> you are not sure. You are an electrical engineer. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? That that thing is that thing is just an understanding at, at some point inside that the man. Let's let's get look at that man in the state where he has discovered it and figured out how to do it. And imagine him standing. He can have that thing inside of himself. Is a knowledge inside of him. If at any time he wants to produce light, he can do it. 
But nobody can do what he can do. <laughs> because he, he's privy to something. That's how God's life was sitting inside of him. Wake him up, make him sleep and wake up in the morning, afternoon, night. He's inside of him. How to produce electricity is inside of him. You can't play around him and eat dinner with him and then touch him. And then you, when you touch him, that's what we feel we can do with God. God, my father, I feel, I feel like by that you can have what he has on the inside of him. It is an understanding. It is, it is a treasure of, it's a knowledge that he has inside of him. By, Father, I worship you and everything, giving gifts, giving offering, giving tithe, walking in church. You can do all that thing. You will never tap that thing. Are you, are you understanding what that eternal life is? Eternal life is the secret of God's immortality. Why he can never die. Why he can never, the secret, everything is inside him, is, is, is there. Do you understand what I mean? But they not come with time, okay. Maybe Father, they not say, okay, okay, okay. This ability to generate electricity. Let me just have it here. It's not useful to the world like this. Okay, let's now find a way that other people can get to that place too. Let's now do it. So, what will, we be, what will he begin to do at that point? He has to begin to write a thesis or whatever, I don't know what you call it. He, his own Faraday's law of electricity, he write the law, invent the formula, write it out. You have the this law one, law two, law three. You have he has to write it down, write down the curriculum. Are you seeing that? Yeah. Write out the curriculum of how to arrive at that same thing, yeah. understanding which he has on the inside, yeah. and then wrote textbooks, wrote things about it. So, so somebody who is an alien to that knowledge, you have to now those things he wrote. You have to read them. Yes. By reading them, you can still not generate. Yeah. This brother now is an electrical engineer. (laughs) (laughs) Uncle Benji. (laughs) We need... um, How many many kilowatts of... how How many watts of electricity do we need for the service today? Can you just go and generate it for us quickly so we can use... If it's easy like that, there will be no NEPA problem in Nigeria. Do you know how many electrical engineering graduates there are in the nation? If it's just that easy, I'm not showing you difference. Are you know what I'm trying to say? That it's not, so it's not as easy. That's why getting born again, oh Lord Jesus, it's not a, what, you are still an alien from the life of God. It's not the same thing. It's not that I confess, no. There must be a transfer of what he knows yes. to what you know. Otherwise, you cannot claim. So, and, and that thing is a promise. Mm-hmm. So this is the promise which he has promised us. Eternal life. Even mm-hmm. eternal life. It's hanging over you. To know what God knows that makes him eternal. Is that the place where you lose some people? Some people get angry and all. But I, I think I've said a lot leading up to this point yes, to, to still keep you seated. Yes, sir. 
Praise God. So it means that if, we, if this brother now says, okay, I don't just want to be an engineering, electrical engineer by title or another, I want to actually be able to do what Faraday could do. It means that man, yeah, he has to be ready. He has to be ready to devote decades more of his life. And he has to go and take Faraday's texts and what was written. And then he needs resources. What is resources of what? He needs place where he can walk. What is walk? Translate the thesis, the revelation, to product. That, that school is what they call the school of everlasting life. Everlasting life is the school of God's life. Eternal life is the reward. Everlasting life is the work. My reward is with me. His reward is with him. He says, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth, say ye to the daughters of Zion, thy, behold, thy salvation cometh. His reward is with him. His work is before him. His work is before him. Before you receive the reward, his work is before him. The work is the, what is the work? The work is that period of, you tried it, it didn't work. Go back again. Read it. Are there other aspects of this thing? You do it, you, you implement and implement and implement and implement until it's not working. Light appears. There is the day that the, the light of eternal life will appear in your heart. Amen. That is the day that Peter was referring to as the day when the day star will arise. He said, first of all, that you have a light that shines forth in a dark place. It's first as a light that shines forth in a dark place until the day dawns. That's one season. The day dawns. The day that has dawned is the season of everlasting life. But there will be a time when the day star will arise in your heart. Who is the day star? Praise God. The day star is this being that they are talking about here. The day star is that eternal life. We have a more sure word of prophecy, which you do well to heed unto as a, as a light that shines first. You see, talking about the graduation of prophecy, talking about that fountain that will be increasing. It's getting to thresholds. As it's reaching certain thresholds, it will increase. It will deepen. The current will increase. Are you seeing that that's talking about the prophecy? Remember, we define prophecy, things that should come to pass. It means the prophecy is talking about the summation of the promise which God has promised us. Praise the Lord. And all the accompanying things. That that ultimate promise is pregnant with promises, as we saw in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Praise the Lord. So, it says that, which you do well to heed unto, as the light that shines in a dark place. First of all, the light that shines in the dark place is the light of Christ. It's very clear, right? The light that shines in the dark place. What is the dark place? 
the dark place is, is the place where souls who have been granted exit from the light which the, is in the world, right? But have not yet gained access to God's light. That's what makes that place a dark place. The dark place really signifies the sanctuary. Then in the dark place, there is a light which they cause to shine in the dark place, which is the light of Christ. Christ is the light that shineth in the dark place. It shines in darkness until, until the day. So the day that was done is not the, the day you came from. It's the new day. Right? The new day. The word dawn means the fresh day. Right? The purpose of the light that shines in a dark place is to deliver the soul into a new day. A new day. Say a new day. New day. That's a transition. It means that from the dark place, there's a light that shines in the dark place. That when you follow that fountain, you will cross a threshold into another day. That day is what you call the day of God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, and it's the day of the shining of eternal life. Let's read this verse 2 again. The life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and then was what? Manifested unto us. And that which we have seen and heard declare unto you, declare we unto you that ye also may have what? Fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the what? Father and with his son Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your what? Your joy may be full. So when you hear the word fullness of joy, it's talking about everlasting life, right? Everlasting life is, is the realm of, is where they make joy full. The school of everlasting life is to make joy full. What is joy? Joy is, joy is the strength for, the joy is the strength for eternal life. Joy is the what? Is the strength for eternal life. Is the strength for the life of God. So John is talking about the manifestation, the teaching, that which we have seen, which we have heard. He's talking about our fellowship. The fellowship is talking about with the Father and the Son is the fellowship of the school of God's life. The purpose of that, that school is to make the joy of his soul full. It's not easy to make a, joy, a soul's joy full. Many, there are a lot of souls who, are, who have joy. I'm not, I'm not talking about the joy of this world and all the things that we celebrate. I'm talking about when they strip everything from the soul. It's a plunging of the soul into deep sorrow. We talk about the realm of sorrow and sackcloth and the realm of, of ashes and, and the realm of burning. Are you getting what I'm saying? That is the, all of those things that is the absence of the, the joy of the carnal, corruptible life. When the, the sorrow is, they will strip the joy of the carnal and the corruptible life, which this world is pushing to the soul away, then plunge the soul into a season of what? Of mourning and a season of what? Of ashes and all of that. That, that soul is, is then a candidate for joy. Mm. 
Do you get what I'm saying? Fresh joy. It's not any kind of joy. It's, they're talking about the joy of the Lord. I remember they said it in the book of Nehemiah that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Right? The joy of the Lord is your strength. That joy is not easy to make that joyful. You can tell a soul's level of joy. When a soul level of joy is little, there's a, you must not talk to them too much about God's things. <laughs> if you are a wise preacher, if you're, not, if you're a foolish preacher, you will tell them everything about God and they will lose their salvation. <laughs> but that's why the word comes to us based on levels, levels of joy. You see, that, 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 that ministry to make a soul's joyful is not joy of, we're talking about the level of the soul's joy in the Lord. It's not too high, let me be honest with you. For many of us, when you take away all the things that make us happy and then leave only God there, the sorrow, the sorrow, that, you know, I discovered that. It's not, it's not God that is keeping us. <laughs> so they can never do that in one day. It's very clear, right? They have to be doing it small, small. They have to leave some things with you. And little by little. As you, they will negotiate with your soul and take some things. Like, can we take this little one now? This little joyful one. Ah! You can fight and fight and fight. When, you, when they will take it and they are going, you run and call them back and collect it back. <laughs> Praise God. And there's some things that we've thought you dropped. We'll come back sometime and see this. Not you in Jesus' name, but you can come back and see that same thing again. Say, ah, but we thought you've left all these things now. <laughs> I'm about to just give it away. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? We're talking because those are things that make us joyful. That's not God. But the, the being that is strong for God's life, the, a, a type in the heaven. When you see an angel like, like Michael, bless you, his, his angel, who excel in strength, hearkening unto the voice, means that such beings, they are, the only joy, the only thing that registers joyful to them is, is his words. So they hearken. They hearken. If they, they, if they don't hear, they can never be satisfied. You must never tamper with the flow of what they are hearing. Of, you must not, never tamper with the voice of his word that's coming from, from them. Those living creatures. You saw the image in the book of, of Ezekiel. How God, God says, the Bible says that God rides upon the wings of the wind. Those wind are cherubims who carry God because of their level of hearkening. They, they find no interest in anything, to be honest with you. They have no other interest in anything. No interest in anything. Than what? The word, just God and his life and his things. Are you seeing that? So, so the realm of fullness of joy is a very high realm. That's the, 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 the reason for the school of everlasting life is to feel a soul. Not the joy of Christ. I'm talking about the joy of God. To make a soul delight in God. Praise the Lord. So then when the joy of a person is full... Then, there's another realm called gladness, but that's not, that is the gladness is the, is the reward, right? Gladness is the reward. Gladness is 
the feeling. Okay, this word feeling, but it's not feeling, but it's the reward of what? The oil of gladness is the eternal reward upon the soul, eternal life. So these are just scriptural terms to make us be able to differentiate them and, and not mix them up together. You say, ah, oh, but joy and gladness are the same. Yeah, in your English dictionary. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about they're trying to differentiate the, between the different estates of the, of the life of God. Since the only language you hear is English, they have to use English words to try and explain to them. But the Spirit has to unveil these things and create the demarcation to bring about right division of the word of truth. Praise God. So verse 3, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And then these things write we unto you that your word joy may be full. Praise the Lord. So the fullness of joy, that your joy may be full, is tying that fullness with the things that are written unto you. Of course, these things that are written unto you are the material of Scripture, which the Holy Spirit will move upon. And that we used to bring you into this reality. Verse 5, then, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Praise God. Amen. So, this God that they say is light, this is the light that his light makes you to see. With you are the fountain of life. In your light we shall see light. So, the light, the end light which shall be seen is this God. So John is saying, this is actually the message. <laughs> so any God that is brought to you that is not, that is not light is not the message. <laughs> so someone says, God is good. He can meet, give you your money and provide your needs. That's agreeable. God can do that. But that is not the message. That is not the message. If you, any, any message of God that is not a light, what is light? <laughs> It's an understanding, it's a, it's a knowledge. It's, that is not the message. The message is that God is light. And they have to qualify this. God is light in whom is no darkness. The word darkness here is not just talking about sin. No, no, no. Darkness is talking about in, whom the, in him there is no unilluminated space. That is why he can never die. That's why when they want to attack him. There is no space. There is nothing. There is no, no counsel, no conversation left that his life has not considered. There remain no more argument. There is nothing you can bring up against him. He, he had no variableness, no shadow of turning. There is nowhere to, for him to turn to if he, he has filled all things. That's the secret of his immortality. <laughs> And, and, the, and the, the beautiful 
The beautiful message of the scripture, of the gospel, is that that being I just described is a message. If it's a message, means they sent him. It's actually a message coming to you. Hey, the thing that should make us excited, don't make us excited. <laughs> and I don't blame you. I don't blame you because the light of these things have not yet fully begun to come. You, you, you will have days upon the earth where you will, you will be driving out of your house, going to the grocery, grocery store to buy grocery with fullness of joy. Hey. Fullness of joy. You see men walking the earth with fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. Now, where do you start from to tempt such a soul? What does he need that he hasn't found in his God? What can you suggest or propose to him? That was the realm Jesus was inside when they brought the whole world and all of his glory. And all this, imagine Satan boasting with confidence. All these things I give to you and all of that. They're talking to a, a joyous soul. Soul who, who has been filled with the joys of his, his What is that that you will tempt him with? What will you give to him? What will you offer to him? How many of you are interested in this kind of life? This kind of living? This kind of existence? This is what you call victory. This is the, this is the true liberty. This is what the law of God wants to bring a soul into. That perfect law of liberty, where his soul is completely free, completely free in God. The Lord will open up your heart to the message of light. Amen. They are going to do a work in you that will make you so compatible with light. Amen. You will begin to live journey. Light will be your food, will be your existence. Light will be your conversation. They will make your soul abhorrent to darkness. Amen. You will love God. You will love his light. You will love his word. You will love his revelation. You will seek after it. You will pant after it. So shall it be unto you. Amen. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was nothing made that was made. And in him was light. And the light was the life. Who was life? The life was the light of men. Our prayer today is that your, your life will become our light. That you will equip every soul, every heart, every being, everyone under the sound of my voice, under this ministry, to begin to pick up profession, to begin to pick up interest, journey in light. Equip every soul and every heart and every spirit and every being, every mind. Equip everyone, Lord, to take journey for exploits, Lord, in light. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I see inheritances of life, portions of life, comprehension of life, understanding of life. You will give us so much light that darkness will not comprehend. Thank you, our Father. 
Thank you, Jesus. 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 Oh, there are those whom you want to even initiate in their heart into season of light. There are those who you want to bring in to even have a lot of establishment, even in the Pauline ministry, even the ministry of turning from darkness into light. I pray, Lord, in this season, eyes that haven't seen will see. Mind that have not understood will understand. We will receive quickening, Lord. Quickening to participate, Lord, of this inheritance, descent in life. Thank you, our God. We give. Just begin to bless him now. Just thank him. Just give you 30 seconds. Just bless his name. Say, Lord, I thank you. I'm receiving. I'm receiving. Not just words. I'm receiving an impartation. Fresh impetus. Fresh strength. A fresh charge in my spirit for exploit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we give you glory. Oh, yes, we give you glory. Yes, we give you glory. Thank you, our Father. Thank you, our Father. Thank you, our Father. We bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth.